So the Avs have a three to nothing series lead. That's cool. Safe to say this top line is the best in the league. Yeah, we are. Racing and shoots and scores. Nathan McKinnon. And after 22 years, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph. You're locked in the, the first episode of Burgundy Radio for the 2021 playoffs. The Colorado Avalanche are up three games to none on the stupid St. Louis Blues. And they're down one Nazem Kadri, who did a very bad hit. Coming up on the show, we're going to get into each game. Alex Newhook scores his first, and we answer the burning question. Is Tyson Jost a goon? But before we play the whoosh, say hello to our disembodied voices of the week. Hello, as always, to Erlo6. Hello, friends. Joining us on location from somewhere is Tiger Vixen. Hello, Jackie. Hello, hello. On Monday... Avs win game one, four to one, including an empty net goal from Nathan McKinnon, but it was one to one going into the third period. McKinnon scored a real goal earlier, and so did Kale McCarr and Gabe Landeskog. Of course, the game being tied after two periods was kind of weird anyway, because the shot total in this one ended up being 50 to 23 in favor of the Avs, and it was 32 to 16 going into the third. This game saw Braden Shen specifically, but all the Blues really, going after pretty much any chance they saw to hit Sam Girard up high. Not that that's hard, he's not a very big guy, but is is it fair to say they got the memo? Yeah, that's, um, it's definitely been a point that I've noticed. That it, I mean, Sam's the most obvious one, but they were, they've been running around a whole lot this whole series. It was funny though, because they are creating a lot of odd man rushes when they were doing that. So the Avs are taking advantage of it. That was, that was what was the most interesting about that to me was they just, they kept doing it and kept getting burned for it. Like the, the only reason that, um, the reason it didn't bite them earlier is that Jordan Bennington decided to look like the Jordan Bennington that won the cup for part of that game. Um, yeah, he was really good in that game. And uh, he he doesn't necessarily stay that good all week long, um, but he sure was in that one. Um, Even making a a very Philip Grubauer-esque left pad of doom save. um, The people were like, how do you not score there? I was like, well, did you you see the save he made? (laughs) Did you see it? (laughs) Come on, man. Um, This game was probably the least frustrating um of the games this week but we we definitely did spend a lot of time emphasizing that this series is not necessarily going to be a fun one to watch even if the abs just go out and win every game and boy <laughs> that's tu- that's turned out to be true <laughs> yeah and we'll probably get into this later when we talk bigger picture things but i i mean i realize why st louis is playing this way because they probably feel that's their best shot at it, it at winning the series, which they, you know, regardless would not have a good shot at. But um, I, I think if they had tried to use a little more skill and a little less idiocy, they'd, they'd probably be a little more in this series now. Well, the, one of the big problems is their stars aren't scoring. And that obviously started there in game one. It's, it's weird that it hasn't even been a week, and yet it feels like an eternity ago. Maybe it's the cadre stuff that um, that kind of makes it feel that way. But from what I recall, game one was maybe the closest of the three so far. 
you'd kind of think the opposite would happen. Like if they really ratchet the, the blues need to ratchet the pressure up that they would make it closer, but it seems like kind of like the games are getting further, further apart in competitiveness. Yeah. They, uh, I, I don't know. It seems like they're doubling down on things that are hurting them. So, I mean, that's great. I like <laughs> it, but, um, I, again, I, I just, I, I see, um, the skill that they have available and yeah, I mean, all right, they're not producing, but I think part of why they're not producing is the way that they're playing. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, there's definitely some coaching or, uh, philosophy issues that are hurting them as much as just not being as good. And that was really apparent in game one when you, you had multiple times that the abs would end up with a three on two or even a four on two because two St. Louis four checkers sell out to hit Kale McCarr, you know, two seconds after he's moved the puck up the ice. And it's like, what are you, what are you accomplishing? Like all you're, all you're doing is putting your defenders really in a hole where they have, yeah, basically no hope except to say oh boy and that's right. why I mean, it's it... such an advantage to have like such skill for our defenders because they can make those really like quick passes or through legs or whatever pressured that's such a competitive advantage yeah i mean it it, it was obvious that you know their their clogging was not working very well and what they were trying to do as far as forechecking the defensemen in the offensive zone uh you know it, as we said it, it was creating odd man rushes the other way i mean it was kind of like a kid that keeps touching the stove and going ow i mean it's like hey you know learn from it and if you back off a little bit maybe you'd have a little more success but again i'm glad they're not learning from it i'm glad they're continuing to play sort of the same meathead game and having little success at it well you've said before like teams that figure it out like sometimes vegas does is they back off on the player, the important thing is for them to cut off the pass. Right. And um, that, that was a great adjustment that I saw them make. And it, again, it's like, it, it seems like a few teams have figured this out. Like even um, Los Angeles in the, the games in LA towards the end of the season, it's like they seem to back off a little bit. And um, in, instead of having a really intense forecheck, they guarded the the offensive blue line and it that that seems to be the part of the ice where you can throttle the abs and give them problems and it's and funny it's, that it flies in the face of that kind of like meathead just be more physical just hit them harder stuff like that yeah. and it's funny that that's not the path to success there i can't honestly i can't even remember this game that's so sad <laughs> i mean i remember it but it just the it, they do all blend together, um, but it just this was this was the least competitive of them, as far as a, an overall experience. Um, you know, the shots, the goals, everything—it just wasn't close. As far as as play overall goes, yeah. But this game this game was one to one after two. Um, yeah, the, like in the actual moment, this game did not feel like it was. You know, it, it felt like it, it was one of those that could go either way. Because how many times have the Avalanche outshot somebody a million to four and then some wacky bounce happens and the fifth goal turns into a breakaway that goes in the net or the fifth shot. Rather. Right. Like this, this was very stress. 
But... Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it, it's sort of like that that Kings game where they scored the only goal in the first period, and I believe that was the last game of the season. You know, you're thinking, oh golly, and yeah, <laughs> end up winning five to one. So yeah, it was it was um, one of those last two games. Yeah, um, but it just I, I don't know I. I Again, I've watched both of the home games on delay, so I knew the outcome going into it. So I was more looking at sort of why things happened. So I, I, I never was worried about it because I knew the outcome. Um, but e- even so, it just St. Louis's threat level was never high enough that I was like, "Oh boy, we could in could be in for a rough night," you know. That was kind of how I felt about the major power play in Game 2. Um, on Wednesday, the Avs do win Game 2, 6-3. to three. McKinnon gets an empty net hat trick. Jonas Donskoy scores a pair. Brandon Saad gets one. The stories of this game are not necessarily in the score of the game, is the thing. Uh, first of all, Colorado get out to a 3 to nothing lead, and then they stunk. They dominated the first period, got a couple of power play goals in the second, and then they were just out of sync on everything and just got peppered. So thank you to Philip Grubauer, who made three more saves than Jordan Biddington did. And that was what he needed. So we'll talk about that That's breakdown. The- um, but first, I'm going to give everyone a moment to sigh. Okay, good. We sighed. Nice. Thank you. Nazem Kadri gets suspended for eight games for doing just a textbook version of the very first check to the head the NHL started cleaning out of the game. So, he gone. Well, going back to the game part, this <laughs> felt a lot like when they get a, like a huge lead in the first period. And I know it did, all didn't happen in the first period, but there's just way too much time left. It's just garbage time and their play is going to deteriorate as the make a push. So that's kind of why it felt like um, why it kind of devolved a little bit. And then obviously the Kadri thing. And because I guess they did, hadn't had a power play until that major. And they did get one power play goal on the major, but it just, it obviously didn't help them a whole lot. No, there's, there's this thing that happens yeah, I mean- on, on double minor and major power plays. It happens to every single team. They say, "Boy, that's a lot of minutes on the clock. We can, we got, all <laughs> we can the, score five goals. Yeah, we can, we can then, score yeah. maybe ten goals. We, but we don't. Have, but we're not pressured. <laughs> we don't have to rush. We can, you know, we we can take our time and make sure that we get one that we're sure about. And then suddenly, you got thirty seconds left in the power play, and you've done very little with it. And that's what that's how I felt about the first like two minutes of that power play. Was the Blues just were like look waiting for something to come to them and. We know we're doing all right, and oh god, we're halfway through this already. What happened? Yeah, I mean, time flies when you're on the power play like that. Uh, I I understand why coaches want to have their players, you know, get the right shot um, because you do have a lot of time. You, you don't have to pepper the goalie with sh- with, with sort of low percentage shots, um, but you can't take all day. And that's that's honestly what ends up happening with a lot of teams, and, and you know the Avs are as guilty as anyone else on this, and, and maybe more so. Um, but I, I I don't I don't know how you could coach it differently because it's like if if you try to coach it to be urgent, then you're gonna get the low percentage shots, and you know maybe that turns into a little less control of the puck, so you're you know you're you're, you're not really on it the whole time. Um, 
but anyway, I mean, they just, you know, they didn't create oh, anything. They got great. one goal, and that was just about, you know, that, that was about the most dangerous time in the game that I thought there the was. The goal in the major should be to tire out the penalty killers, what it really should be. Yeah, and they didn't even do that. They 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 did the whole like you can do it all you want, y'all ain't gonna get no points thing. That's what they did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean their their power play is actually pretty good. Um not then it wasn't. No, but I mean in general, I mean their power play is, is one of the better ones in the league. Um, you know, especially since Ray Bennett left. Um This should probably be where we where we mentioned know, it, that the Blues are missing a lot of, of like some of their top scoring guy like like their their power play without David Perron is definitely different. Right, and he's their top scorer and that's you know that is a tough loss. Um one thing I've noticed they do really well in the power play is they keep the puck in. Like they prevent the clears really well. I that helps them a lot with their reloads. Yeah. Um and they they do a lot more you know east-west movement which I know Jared Bednar hates and we just don't do that but um, you know, I, I, of the power plays that I see that I like, that's sort of a common element these days is, is getting the East West movement, breaking down the box, making the goalie move, things like that. Um, and the abs are able to outskill it with their power play a lot of the time. So they just don't need to do that. And they, you know, they, they haven't felt the need to coach that into their system, but, um, that's, you know, that's one of the main reasons I just don't like our power play. It's very it's very blunt. <laughs> it's very, very beating on you with a hammer, and hopefully it'll work. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just they can outskill you just about any team, really. I mean, when you have Landis Gog, McKinnon, and Rantanen on the power play with McCarr, that you're just not going to match up well with that. There's just not, there's not a solution to that because you're. It's not a system you're fighting. You're fighting talent, and it's just you know you, you can't match it. And that's right. You know, and that, it, that's and the Avs power play philosophy. So it's all about making the shot. And yeah. yeah, like you said, when you have that kind of talent, it works a good amount of the time, but you you have to have other tricks in the bag. And we'll see. Like obviously it's working. It didn't work in game three, but I know it happens. But if you're gonna be Vegas or someone else down the line, it you're you got to do more than that, but we'll get there. At, well, at this don't have point, much... it's not a complaint. <laughs> well, we'll have plenty of time yeah. to get there. <laughs> yeah, and then you know, hopefully, with an early season, early series, end, um, you know, they'll they'll have perhaps a, a little bit more time to fi- in between series um, to get some more practices in to, to sharpen up some things because. You know, even with what I don't like about their power play, it's like if they had some time to practice it, I do think what they do would look better. No, that's that's probably true. Um, but it it is really clear clear the differences between the Avs power play and the Blues power play. There was on one of the penalties that Ryan Graves took in Game One, uh, they they both stunk. Pick one. Um, <laughs> there there was a moment where the Blues just made three or four passes in a row, just from circle to circle and they didn't find anything to shoot at from that but they were they were on the prowl for it and after the first pass the avs pretty much just lined up their penalty kill from with at least three guys or maybe all four in a row 
in that middle line. And do you think they stopped a single one of those cross-ice passes? No, and they usually don't. And their triangle plus one is generally what they run in the middle. And they it's ostensibly to, to prevent that pass, and it just doesn't work. And I... You know, I, I don't know how you can coach that up to, to work better. It just, <clears throat> um, at, at this it, point it just seems in the like season, something that doesn't work and they can't change. <laughs> at, you, yeah, at this point in the season, you can't. You got what you got and yeah. you hope that it pays off. Um, and they're, they're, they're very fortunate that that major penalty didn't turn into a whole lot more than one dangerous chance. Because um, the Blues did convert on that one dangerous chance. And uh, it's not hard to get dangerous chances on on this penalty kill. Um, I feel like they're they're good. What the Avs are good at on the penalty kill is getting the clears. Right. But when that doesn't happen, then it gets really bad, which is obvious, right? I mean, like every penalty kill is is better if the other team can't set up. But I feel like there's a big difference if they get Graves and a couple couple other guys to do it. Then you, they can kill off the whole penalty. But if they don't get that first clear within maybe like 10 or 15 seconds, they're in trouble. Yeah, and speaking of Graves, he didn't take two awful penalties in Game 2, but the, his pairing with Patrick Nemeth in Game 2 was disastrous. Um, I, I lost count of how many times Patrick Nemeth blindly threw the puck behind him into his own slot. It's definitely too much of a good thing when the when they're together. Um, that, that's one way to describe it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Demeth definitely had two moments in that in game two. Yeah, the one where he just like threw it across the ice, and the whatever Blues player it was got to it first, and, and then well, yeah, and then the other one was the 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 pinch where Jost was up high, and it was like okay, Jost still isn't the fastest, so. <laughs> And he's a forward, so he's not going to skate backwards <laughs> real well. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it's... I still don't think he's ever getting scratched. So apparently not, because have to live with it. <laughs> despite the um, adventure that that Nemeth had in Game Two, he's still on the ice with the with the net empty, defending the one goal lead. I, I will say that I, I don't mind his play without the puck. Um, that That is what he does best. When he's not touching the puck, he's not a liability that much. Um, when he is touching the puck, he's a great liability, though. So that's, you know, you just don't want him touching the puck much. Um, you know, I, I don't know if... <clears throat> I don't know if you're, if you're the Avs coaching staff, whether you're just kind of like, hey, you know, let's not get fancy here, Patrick. If you get the puck and... You know, there's not just like the easiest pass in the world. Just chip it off the glass and just make sure you're not putting it right to one of their guys in a dangerous area, right at the blue line, like you always do. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just, I, I think they need to be able to control those kind of turnovers that he's making, and it, you know, they they managed to do that when he was here before, so. Um, you know that that's just something they're they're gonna have to work on in between series because that's not gonna work against Vegas. No, I I think seven D might actually be a strategy they should think about because that's a way that you can have Nemeth in the lineup all the time, but you're not necessarily married to having him out there uh, five on five a lot. 
and especially yeah, I mean, with Kadri out for the, the next seven more games, you know, you you are playing a few forwards that you don't necessarily want to play a ton. So if you're ever going to do it, it's kind of now. All right, are you going to scratch Carl Soderberg for Bowen Byram? And that's the question. Because um, now they've, you know, they they decided to to go with that, go with Carl, um, rather than go with Seven D, which was a possibility, um, and I can see why they didn't. But it's like now that that now that's established, so it's like you're gonna have to take someone out, or you know, unless someone gets injured. Um, I mean, they in just, all they, re- they, they don't like doing that. <laughs> I know. Well, it's probably not gonna be Soberg. It's probably gonna be Hook if they actually do like it's going to be young guys for young guys and that's yeah. the reality but like new hooks done well but if you look at the score sheet he's not playing a lot like he still isn't playing a lot and timmons still isn't playing a ton either so you know when you're talking about a defenseman playing 10 minutes and a forward playing eight minutes i don't think you're necessarily saying those guys are going to be in the lineup forever it's just it's also part of the winning thing that Benar likes to make as few changes as possible when they're winning. And I get that too. But I think if you get through this series, which they should now at this point, you might need to come up with a few new ideas before you play. We're all assuming Vegas. Well, I mean, I, I do think that they overplay the trusted thing, but I, you know, when, when you're bringing, you know, a straight up guy that, that was in college a month ago or two months ago, um, into his first playoff series, you you do want to get a handle on sort of how he's going to handle NHL playoff hockey. And with Timmons, it's a little different situation because he's been a pro for a while. But it, you know, he is basically a rookie, um, and it, it is his first kind of um, it's his first playoff series where he was a starter to begin. It. And you know, you want to get a handle on that as well. So. Uh, you know, the, being overly conservative is predictable. I don't. I don't know if they really need to be that conservative, but I, I think they do want to build up sort of a a track record that they can look at and say, like, hey, you know, it's like you're you're sort of slipping into this kind of habit. You know, it's it's easier to to fix things when you have a baseline, which you know, it's it's hard to get with either guy right now. Let's I, I let's stop dancing around it and say anything we have to say about. Uh, about Kadri, who was not playing well, um, wasn't necessarily doing... Like, he wasn't exactly hurting the team, but he wasn't doing a whole lot to help. And, and then just makes one of the worst hits that we've seen an Avalanche player make and puts his team on a five-minute penalty kill that they get scored on for and takes a match penalty and the league decides to wait to announce a suspension till the middle of the next game for some reason. You know, I I I know he hasn't been scoring lately, and his defense was pretty poor. I think he actually was playing um, decently um, as far as a two hundred foot game in the in the first game and whatever three quarters. Um, so it's it's not like you know you're right. He wasn't hurting them, but you know the the offensive generation just still isn't there. Um, the hit. I, I don't like it, but it's something that like if you're watching other series, like you're you're seeing a lot of similar stuff that's 
definitely not getting eight games. So there's that. Um, you know, I I don't know how to feel about it. I, I guess it's an opportunity um, for other guys to step up. You know, maybe to get New Hook a little bit more time. Um, but I don't know. It's 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 really odd the way that DOPS explained why they were suspending him for so long, and I, I'm I'm not comfortable with it for various reasons that I don't really feel about like talking about here. They were very clear that a major, major, major motivator for the eight game decision was that Kadri has been suspended several times. They they were extremely clear about that. Which is a standard yeah. that does not seem to apply to all other players. Correct. And, you know, it, trying to guess why isn't really worth it, but, it, it, you know, why why is it that, that Nas is getting this treatment and seemingly no one else is? Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, obviously Jared Bednar was wondering the same thing in his comments after the game last night. And, you know, I, I'm sure that's something... I, we haven't heard if he's going to appeal or not, but it's it's something. If I were the Avs and Nas himself, I, I'd I'd want a little more clarity on, like why is why is he being singled out for this, and other repeat offenders seem to be just do their eighteen months and then they're fine. They can commit heinous crimes all they want and still get small fines or short sentences. Yeah, I, I was curious about this one, so I went back to um, the last time Tom Wilson got suspended, which was in March, when he got seven games for a leaping headshot into the boards um, on a player who should have suspected that a hit was coming, but didn't really have an opportunity to do anything about that. Um, and, and Tom Wilson got seven regular season games for that, and his history of, of being suspended was mentioned? Um, but they didn't spend a minute of the video hammering that home. Right. Um, and he got seven regular season games as opposed to eight playoff games, which is, as as we know, the league doesn't treat those equally. Right. I would generally consider our playoff game to be at least two regular season games, so. Yeah, so is that blindside head pick 11 games worse than charging someone's head into the glass? That's I what you're saying, so. <laughs> and it makes no yeah. sense. Right. I mean, it's it's obvious. The whole thing's obviously disappointing. Like it, it's disappointing that Kadri made that hit. Like it, it's it's a hit that's been a two game suspension. So, so it's like that's what everyone thinks it really is. And then, yeah, you need to pump it up four times worse just because of what he did in Toronto. Like, it's about that narrative, that reputation, and he'd never even been suspended with the Avs for two years. Well, another thing, all right, you wonder about the the Rangers embarrassing the league about you know that whole situation. I think um, that's part of it too, where it was like the next person okay, but there's things going on during the playoffs <laughs> and since then that don't seem to be taking that into consideration. And, and you know, if if that was the cause, if it was the league saying, you know, golly, everyone's just really down on us for for not following through on these suspensions, maybe we ought to pump it up a little bit. Then I'd be fine. But it just 
They got to well, do it to everyone, not just Nas. Right. Well, they were going to pick one. Like, who's another guy that gets suspended a lot? Like, if it was that, if it was that dude, and I think part of it was that he was just kind of like the next one up that had a reputation. I don't know if it's with him specifically or the Avs specifically, but it does feel very out of place, especially when you turn on the games and you see a lot of the, this other stuff that happens and doesn't get called, doesn't get suspended. Right. I mean, I was just watching the Panthers and the Lightning and in a you know the second half of a blowout, and they were basically trying to axe murder each other the whole time. And, you know, there were hits to the head and, and you know, very bad hits to legs and smashing into goalies and things like that. And I, I'm just, I'm not seeing any of those guys getting any kind of suspensions for any of it. Um, so... I mean, there's just total premeditated stuff, too, that, that we've seen. Not necessarily, like, in today's games, but you know, when guys get along suspensions, it's because they, they swing their stick at someone's head and just totally disgusting stuff like that. It's right. It just, yeah, just to pick one, one headshot. And then they knew it. Like Friedman was on the radio, what, the very next day saying, well, the abs are pretty much not going to have him for the second round. And it's like, you've, you've already decided. Like, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter what Kadri said it doesn't matter what anybody said like they they'd already decided and I do think part of waiting was to see because the abs were up then when they had just decided to announce it they're like all right well it's probably going to be a short series now so we just want to make sure that he's not around for the next one <laughs> well, that implies it would have been 12 games or something <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows <laughs> the, the, that eight game. In, the, the eight games includes game three, right? Yeah. So yeah. Just seven left. Well, I thought I was thinking he was looking at maybe three to four, and then if the Blues won game three, then you'd know that it would be minimum. If you said the rest of the series, it would have been minimum three, three games, and then if it goes longer, it could be four or five. I was thinking, you know, maybe that's something we're thinking about, but apparently not. Yeah, I mean, he got a match penalty, which is an automatic one game, um, which, you know, it, it can be rescinded. They have done that in the past. Yeah, it, it's an automatic review. It's an automatic infinity games. It's you can play yeah, again when automatic. the commissioner says so. But I think right. you should appeal. And, and I know the NHL is in a sport where it, it's appealed all the time and cut in half like you see in some other sports. But there's also a reason why they rarely call suspensions for longer than five games is because they don't want to deal with the appeals process right um and it's and it's all closed door stuff that we'll never hear anything about either that's you know i i I can see that because it's just it's it's a you know it's basically an employee employer arbitration case so if you want to suspend someone for that long i think you should have to you know defend it you should have to stand up in front of his yeah. representatives and the PA's representatives and defend it. And maybe it doesn't get reduced. That's fine. But you can't hand out a suspension like that, especially when there's so many similar hits that happened and just try to say, because this guy had a reputation from years ago on a different team is the only reason why his suspension needs to be four times longer. Like people forget right. Landis Scog's last suspension was four games for cross-checking Kachuk in the head. So let's say he's the next, let's say something happens in the next game or the next series. 
and he's the next one. How long of a suspension would he get? It that, may, maybe he wouldn't get a suspension. Who knows? Because yeah, yeah, is he going to get the book thrown at him? Because I mean, he has a real. He definitely has a history. Just because it hasn't happened recently. But players with histories get the book thrown at them and also get $5,000 fines. It is unknowable. <laughs> but luckily for everyone, the Department of Player Safety's official Twitter account has decided to help the confusion um, by posting a link today to the rules about repeat offenders and how that does and doesn't apply to suspensions. Which went about as well as you think. <laughs> I get the letter of the laws about the fine, but it, that's definitely something that's open to interpretation. How much of a repeat offender they want to consider somebody. Like Within 10 minutes, they had 300 Twitter replies. They're all saying, so you're saying you should have suspended Tom Wilson, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I... I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes for this. It just, I, I don't, I don't know that there's a, a lot of clamor for a long suspension for Nas. I mean, I think the Blues would have been much more happy if Nas had gotten two games and Jost had gotten two games rather than just Nas for eight. That's probably um, okay. True. And the Jost, okay, first yeah. of all, and then the Jost one's ridiculous because yeah, yeah. Let's let's yeah. let's get to that because the St. Louis Blues <laughs> seem to think Tyson Jost is a new Ravi Torres or something because he's in there looking for a puck. <laughs> Robert Tuzo skates in, squatted so far down that his head is within Jost's reach, which is already significant. And because Jost feels him coming, he kind of puts his arm out to brace for impact, and Bortuzzo just combongs himself on Jost's elbow. Should have thrown eight games at that guy too. Well, you know yeah, what that was similar the hell is wrong to? with y'all? Well, and yeah, also, that's... Bortuzzo had hit Jost in the head in the first period, too. <laughs> um, Cross-checked right. him in the head in, in, in open ice. So it's, you know, I, like, I, I know Jost came out today and said, I'm not a dirty player, and I didn't mean to do that. He came out and he's like, um, I didn't even know I got him. <laughs> Like, yeah, <laughs> and there's, well, there's it, even some blues fans just pointed to that, like you know, I think we were just kind of upset about Nas. I think I believe this guy. <laughs> well, yeah, you you don't want to microanalyze every single hit because nobody is going to look good. Like, right? It's the playoffs. Come on, you know, there's slew foots. There's this. There's that, and people deal with it. But the, the amount of whining and drama from the blues is unreal. And I know that they're trying to change the narrative. They've had something like every game when Perron was out, then they had their little COVID scare. That was the false positive. And then the cadre thing. And then now Bay complaining about officials. And we haven't even talked about game three yet, but um, it's just stupid. Like you really want to open the door Microanalyzing every single little hit in a series. You don't. Nobody wants that. The players don't want that. And you know what that Joe's hit reminds me of? When Graves got elbowed in the face by Evander Kane. Yeah. Is that a suspension yeah. or a penalty? No. No. <laughs> it was the natural motion of like holding your stick and then your right arm goes up and, you know, and we dealt with it. And he was out for, at least, I think it was one game. Well, he left that game and was out another one. So, yeah. shit happens. 
Yeah, and Bortuzzo, I don't know, the, there's rumors that he broke his face somewhere or somehow. It wasn't on that hit, because that was not enough force to do that. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering about. It's like, I don't know how, like... <laughs> I could see maybe, like, if he bounced off of Jost's arm and then hit his face on the boards or something like that, which is totally possible. That that might have been what happened, because I, I still haven't gotten a great look at it that you can see the other I, side of the hit i think i thought the problem was because he had a previous concussion so he cut it was like easy to for him to i don't want to say aggravate it but just um bring the symptoms back i think that's what the problem was and what they said originally it was nuke from the f the first series of the season which Who is knows? also funny to bring that up because they seem to forget that blay actually got suspended two games for hitting taze in the head yeah <clears throat> who knows Ciao. i mean it's so it's not Bortuzzo having a concussion history is part of why jost is so disgustingly dirty according to blues fans like yeah make they... it make sense <laughs> the, he yeah, intentionally picked out the guy the he wasn't even looking at okay <laughs> <laughs> So before we go it's to just... game three, let me pause again and clear the static. Okay. Uh, if I sound good, then we're back. You're good. Okay. Yeah, you're good. So uh, let's go on to game three because there was more hockey played this week. Um, we go to St. Louis and the Avs win 5-1. to one. Game winning goal scored by Alex Newhook, by the way, with the other four coming from Tyson Jost, Ryan Graves, and one of the funniest breakaway goals of all time, Brandon Saad, <laughs> JT Comfer with a 200 foot bank shot into the empty net. Graves had two assists, too, and St. Louis's only goal was a shorty on a power play caused by Craig Berube's Hail Mary desperation challenge, hoping for some phantom goaltender interference or something. I I'd go on about how lazy and disconnected that goal against was, but Miko Ranson is here, and he says that's enough, and we have to go now. <laughs> it's so yeah, funny that his stupid galaxy brain challenge worked and got him a goal. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think this game was interesting because, all right, you take the first game and the Avs just outshot them by a mile. Um, but it was it was probably the more most competitive of of the three. Um, game two, St. Louis is e able to even up the shot share, and pretty much the goal share at, at even strength. Um, it still ended up losing by three. Um, the Avs have taken to evening up the shot share by going for lots of scoring now um they figured out how to outscore st louis for nothing at even strength um while, while still having even shot share so that's you know <clears throat> we we kind of we, we rag on bednar for not being able to adjust in in games and sometimes even in series that well and i think that the third game kind of shows that he has and that's kind of cool yeah, he can be very slow to make changes to things the other team is doing in-game, but between games, he tends to do things like, you know, completely dismantle the Calgary Flames' entire franchise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they still haven't recovered. Um, I don't think he was... He's not happy losing the shot share, though. He was, he's, hasn't been as thrilled with the last two games, that's for sure. There's so much score effects in there, though. Yeah. I, I mean... If you look at the series as a whole, I mean, they've 
they've spent um, a large percentage of it with more than with a two goal or more lead. Um, I mean, the Blues have never had a lead, and it's only been tied for like a half a game. Um, I, I think it's not only like dealing with shot share issues. It's it's kind of learning how to deal with having a big lead constantly. Yeah, because um, in, in this game it was tied after one, and then real late in the first period, do I remember that uh, Ryan Graves gets uh, ripped down by the head from behind, and uh, that's a two-minute penalty, and he also takes a two-minute penalty for getting ripped down from behind because refs are cowards. And uh, so we, we start the second period with, uh, what's this puck doing here, says Ryan Graves. <laughs> and what's this goalie doing over there? <laughs> that was that fun. was that <laughs> was that was karma for that call is what that was. But then Colorado spent the whole rest of the game leading and never looked back. Yeah, and, and you wonder funny. about Bennington. Like, is he looking at Graves? Like, look at him. He's so big and slow. I can definitely beat this guy. Wow. <laughs> We forget. <laughs> Every once in a while he reminds us, but we forget that Ryan Graves actually has pretty decent stick skills. Yeah. <laughs> and he still got a little lucky there. It's It truly is hard to make that show when it happens. Yeah. yeah. I like, mean, it's whoa. I mean it's, it's a pretty good angle. You know, you have a goalie that's not where he's supposed to be. It's very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it was interesting that this was not the goon parade. Like everyone was think expecting that after the cadre hit, that they would just come out and just pretty much start sucker punching the abs. But no, the Blues realized they actually had to win this game, and to win it, they had to be playing hockey, and they yeah. still didn't win. That didn't work. I, I know that you're on altitude strike, so you didn't hear this. Um, but late in the first, Peter McNabb even brought attention to that. He was like. Um, you know, like this this game hasn't been rollerball like we were expecting because it's just the game is just too important for both teams. And it's just it's really fascinating to hear even some of these like old ho- hockey heads basically just come out and admit that this running around nonsense is actually losing hockey. <laughs> yeah, I, get, I think that was a good observation by him. And, you know, I get to watch the games on the service that I spend a lot of money paying for <laughs> to watch okay well. and so i get the national feeds which now means that every game is on nhl network because it's not even on the channel it's supposed to be on because the game starts at midnight in newfoundland but the game before it has gone into seven eight overtimes <clears throat> um and thanks nbc for putting it on the app so we, we can watch it there at least watch the power we do get here and yeah, we do get stuck with Pierre, and I'm, you know, I'm not real happy about that. And he's just even more tedious in the playoffs. Um, but it is what it is. We get <clears throat> another victory, and the Blues have basically tried everything. They've, they've tried every way they know how to stifle the Avs, to counter their speed and it's just nothing has worked i mean it's just they can't they can't even get a lead in a game um they've tried running around trying to tear everyone's head off with every line on the roster they've tried taking ryan o'reilly away from nathan mckinnon um 
which did seem to give that line a little bit better success, but it still ain't in the net. And uh, yeah, I, if in case you missed it, when when this game came along in in Canada, the Avalanche have rolled out a new goaltender. His name is Philip Brubauer, with a B, and uh, he's been fantastic. And I thought, and I thought they were too good to make those dumb mistakes. Guess not. <laughs> it's your sport, and you can't even get it right. For shame. Was that a graphic, or did they say that? That's a graphic. It's pinned in the GDT. Oh, nice. <laughs> Amit posted it immediately, and I was like, oh, that's going right in the pins. <laughs> <laughs> we need to save that one for posterity. But yeah, Grubauer's been awesome. Um, se- second game, he was merely fine, but that was really all you needed was fine. Um, but he's outside of that, he's let in one goal in the other two games. And it's really hard to fault him on yeah. that shorty because what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need to see that again. I only watched that the shorty once. I was like, oh my god. I've watched it three times and I'm still not really sure what happened. Like, the puck gets into the corner and McCarr and O'Reilly go in after it and McCarr doesn't come out with it and it goes in the net. <laughs> and McKinnon is upset about something. And mainly I'm just I'm so busy yeah, covering wasn't... my face that I'm not really sure what happened. <laughs> um yeah, that was you know, that was definitely a low point. But again, that that's the only ga- goal you give up. Um things are going okay. So the Yeah, it's been good so far. Pretty much the only player that things aren't going great for is Miko Rantanen, who hasn't scored a goal in I think eight games. That's kind of crazy. It actually, surprises me. It's it's been a minute. Like he he got to his what was it? He got his thirtieth, I think. And that may have been the last one he got. I'm gonna double check. I think it that. was. Yeah, because the last week of the season, he only he had five assists and no goals. Yeah, thirty goals. Um, so, it you know I I made this point in the pre-show, but it's just M- McKinnon has decided to start scoring now, and Miko has gone back to being a setup man. Now maybe that's something that they tried to do. They're like you know people are just focusing on Miko so much they just leave Mac all alone, I, which I doubt. But um, you know I, I just I think it's hard for both guys to be shooters. Um, at the same time, I just, I, there, there's just not enough puck to go around for those two. Um, so it's like, if one guy has to be Mr. Setup and one guy has to be Mr. Shooty and it just, that's, that's the way it happens to go right now is Miko's gone back to being the setup guy, then, you know, I'm fine with it. Well, Miko should get his on the power play. It's where he should get his. Yeah, McKinnon's been um, taking those. Right, and maybe it's just something to do with the Blues' uh, penalty kill. Is that is that they are, you know they they have decided to do something such that it 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 opens up Mac for shooting a little bit more. I don't know. I don't um, I don't know about that. Um, because as good as the power play was in games one and two, in game three it was not. Yeah, it was really bad. Um. <laughs> 
Hopefully it was just one of those nights and not getting figured out. Guess we'll see. <clears throat> that was yeah, what it blues... seemed more like. It seemed like they just couldn't even really get into the zone. Like, eh. Right. And it, and St. Louis has had a fairly bad penalty kill all year. And then obviously it's the playoffs and all bets are off. But, um, I you know, I don't know what they could have changed um, to, you know, to do something that would totally befuddle the Avs, but um, you know, we, we have seen both teams making fairly decent amounts of changes to their, their strategies over the three games. So I, I think the risk for the Avs in a series is that those passes get sniffed out and it's easier through a series with the repetition as the penalty killers get better and better at anticipating and picking them off. Maybe. Yeah. But I mean, one thing the Blues are definitely doing is blocking a ton of shots. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and so is, in particular, Pierre Edouard Delmar. <laughs> yeah, he is. If um, you name a body part that isn't his head, and Belmar is taking a shot from there. Well, it's pretty impressive on the Avs PK. Um, they are blocking over 60 shots per hour. <laughs> That's a big number. Yeah. So they're they're ba- they're, they're they're blocking more than a shot per minute. <laughs> that's a that's a rough job. Yeah. So, you know, if if you're out there on PK, there's a good chance you're going to take one hard. So, as the series continues, as the playoffs continue, um, the the Avalanche in this series, they, it's pretty clear that they're up against an opponent that they're going to beat. Um, the the, the Blues so. are not really uh, quite at the same level the Avalanche are at. Um, the, the regular season standings would support that. The results of the series so far would support that. Um, so one thing that becomes apparent is as the Avs get out of the first round and face either of Vegas or Minnesota, that team is going to be a, a step better than St. Louis. And uh, your, your lineup having a big Nazem Kadri-shaped hole in it for that whole series is, might matter. I mean, will it? Because, I mean, he's been a ghost for months now, and they've done okay. And I realized, like, all right, he does things other than score, so it's it's not like it's not going to matter at all. But um, I I kind of look at when he returns, is he'll be fresh, and probably someone else will be out. So there you go. It might. <laughs> I'm not necessarily calling it a silver lining. It's just, um, and maybe sometimes it does help guys to push the reset button a little bit. And so yeah, I mean, I've complained a lot about how he's played and. It's a it's a lot uh, less of a loss than uh, than maybe the national people think when they see oh he's he's their second line center like this is gonna be terrible and it's like well really isn't anymore but um but he is a veteran player that takes a lot of face offs eats a fair amount of minutes so it, it's not like nothing either it's a role yeah. that needs to get filled by somebody um, even though like this is one thing that I. The, the, kind of my my big reaction to um to the 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 
the hit itself after the game was like, okay, the Avs are going to be without Nazem Kadri probably for a little while, and they're going to be fine. And that kind of stinks, because like, he, Kadri's not going to come back and be 28 years old again. Like, he's just, he, he's had a season that's just looked wrong from basically from start to finish, even though it's really been colder towards the end of it. And and maybe he can come back and find that switch and flip it. But I'm just like, man, are we seeing like an older version of Kadri that just isn't as effective anymore? It seems like a yeah, lot of his issues are mental, though. Not necessarily like he's just not fast enough. Or... I mean, he does miss a lot of good opportunities, but I don't think it's necessarily because like the hands aren't there. I mean, it might be because from what I see, he's still generating shots at about the same rate that he usually does. And, you know, it's like it's the shooting percentage just went down more and more as the, as the year goes on. And, and that's common, but not that much. Um, so you just wonder, you know, what, why is he not taking advantage of the chances that, that he generally gets? Um, in a game and it's you know i i don't see like the hands being that bad like he's not just missing wildly like he's just he's a couple inches off you know he's shooting into the chest instead of the seven hole or he's you know just going a couple inches over the crossbar instead of into the top corner um i don't know bednar seems to get being more and more frustrated and then this happens and bednar did stick up for him like he doesn't think it's an eight game suspension worthy hit either but um like he's he's also a guy you can't rely on and he's gonna be gone a while yeah and it's like you're you're replacing him you know you're 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 moving comfort from the fourth line up to second line center which is always a bad idea yep and then you're putting carl soderberg into that spot and we we basically didn't even notice carl was playing until it was towards the end of the second period I had no idea. Night. Like, I knew he was in the right. game, and then I forgot. Yeah. And then someone said Carl Soderberg, and I was like, oh, yeah. That guy's right. allegedly on the roster. <laughs> and I, you know, I hate that, because, you know, I mean, Carl's fun, you know. He's, he's, a, he's a guy you want to root for. You know, like, I want Carl to be good, but it's just, it's apparent that he's just not capable of helping the team in the way he used to. And... I just don't know if he's going to be any kind of effective on the fourth line and be anything but an anchor down there. Quick pause, quick pause, I mean, quick so, pause, quick pause. Word. And, I mean, we saw, like, with Comfer and Belmer and Newhook on the fourth line, like, they could do stuff. I mean, they, they had the speed. They had a little bit of complementary talent for a fourth line. You know, they were doing stuff, and I just... What what does Carl bring to that line that's gonna, you know, make it anything other than sort of the other guys? Of course, the the take that you see going around a lot on the other end, end of that is people assuming, well, this is just a more opportunity for Alex Newhook. And it's just it's funny to me because it's just it's so obvious what Bednar was gonna do, and he did it, and he even said, "Oh, it's easy for me." Like. How many? I don't know how many times you need to see it before you realize, like his order of you know disaster management. 
is move up comfort. Like Jost has basically been the borderline two seat anyway. So that's nothing changes there. And he's not going to put the two, the guy that played seven, I think the game before that was not even seven minutes as the two seat. Like, hello. <laughs> not, yeah. not that but, New Hook hasn't I, I mean, been really good. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's been good in his role, but he's not like he's not going to be the two C. Yeah, he's not ready to take that on, and I, I I fully agree with that. Like, if he wanted to put New Hook up with those guys on the second line occasionally, I think that would be fine. And in um, game four with a three it, nothing it, lead, it's not a bad time to try it. Yeah, but also, I mean, if you're Bednar, you're like, well, if we're if Nas is up, we need a long term solution. So it's like we better get Comfer up to speed, even though I know he won't. The the no he won't part is the part that just is so frustrating though, because we we all know what the result of this is going to be. Well, I mean, what what are your other options? Like, I, I understand. Like he said, he didn't want to break up the Joe's line, and obviously, you're not going to move anyone off the top line. So you, you break up the Joe's line because you don't have choice. I I wouldn't because I think those guys like I talked about last week those guys are more than the sum of their parts and it, I think when you start tinkering with that it's you, you kind of lose a, a lot more than you think. They're basically the second line. The cadre line has been teetering on third line to begin with. So that's right. the other hilarious part where it's like, oh, who are you going to move to the second line? It's like it's not the second line anymore. And yeah. Burkowski, I've been saying all year, you don't realize how little he plays until you actually look at his game log and, and you say, wow, he doesn't even play 14 minutes most of the time. Like, that is not the second line. <laughs> yeah, but it's a good solid 14 minutes. Yeah, no, I mean, last yeah. week I gave my star of the, of the year. Yeah. So I, I obviously am very happy with Burkowski, but perception isn't reality here. Like, it's a different role than what people think it is. Yeah, like you can't play Burakovsky more. No, like, and it's like they've figured it out. Whatever they're doing, yeah. whatever he's doing, great. It's perfect. It works really well. Yeah. No, you. I mean, they found the sweet spot in his time on ice, and and it's like if they don't, if they play him less, then he's never going to do anything, and if they play him more, he's going to start burning out. So the Eagles are done. And the Avalanche have made up made all their call ups that they're gonna make, presumably. Any surprises in that list? I would say no, but I was glad that they at least kept it and brought Kout back and also Sampo, which it seemed like maybe they were gonna give him a game if maybe those Kings games were meaningless, but it's nice that maybe he's thought of as somebody they could use down the line. Um I'm a little surprised the goalies they chose were Werner and Ananen and not Miska. That's probably the biggest surprise because they've had they've wanted nothing to do with Werner the whole year. And Ananen makes sense because of the, you know, just be around the coaches and things like that. So, um, well, I think but, Werner no, and Ananen are Werner and Ananen have been the good goalies for the Eagles. Um, and it's like, neither of those guys are ever going to even dress. So, I mean, it's and knock know, on the... some wood, Earl knock on. some wood. <laughs> I mean, if they do it, it, it doesn't really matter. You know, I know they'll be done. They'll be done yeah. quickly, but 
Right. Let's, like if Jojo's our starter, it. guess what? It's not <laughs> our year. <laughs> um I think Jojo but, and Dubnik maybe drag them through around, maybe. <laughs> I mean they might be able to close out a three one series. <laughs> yeah, they, they can win one out of four, sure. Yeah. <laughs> But um, but Miska's the one that's signed next year. Oops. Like Werner's yeah. the one that they they didn't want to use at all. Miska's the one that's signed next year. I don't know. It, it's a little strange, but you're right. It it shouldn't matter at all. So whatever. But yeah. that awkward. was probably the surprising right. part. They're practice goalies. They're they're goalies to be there for you know the guys like you know Cout and Sampo that they called up and and um you know the 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 guys that are on the roster, but not practicing with the team, you know, they'll, they'll put them all together in the black ace rank and, and those guys can scrimmage or do whatever, whatever they do. Um, and it'll and... keep giving some decent reps for suspended Nazem Kadri and for apparently maybe ready to play eventually Bo and Byram. Well, Bo's yeah. on the roster, so he practices with the team. Did he go to St. Louis? good. Yeah. He went to St. Louis. Hmm. Yeah. Is... Which is, I was glad to see that. Well, it, it's just strange. You know, they made it sound like it was going to be forever. And then, oh, by the way, he's cleared to play. And it's like, what? He's cleared to play. <laughs> but yeah. I'm, I'm glad he is. Uh, he probably is cleared to play, but I'm sure they want to see at least a week or so of conditioning. And then it's the matter of the desire to play him, which well, right. hopefully and they if, find. <laughs> if we, you know, if we end up sweeping St. Louis and the, the, the other series goes a little long or something like that. And the abs end up with, with four or five days worth of practice. I mean, that can be when Byram can make a case, um, you know, to maybe be a seventh defenseman if they want to try that. Or, you know, if, if first guy in, if, if there's an injury, you would definitely expect that. Um, you know, I, I think it's, glad... it's going to be hard for Bednar to make an arbitrary decision to just bench somebody and play Byram. Yeah. Well, especially if they're winning. right you know if they lose or they lose a couple maybe he starts to think about some different options but i was glad to see that byram got in the full team practice which they had on sunday and they did not have all like the former taxi squad guys in that it was more of like a a real practice that had everybody and then they didn't have a whole bunch of extras so it's just him and mcdonald as the extra defenseman so i was glad to see that and i was also glad to see him on the trip because they don't bring guys that aren't available to them. So so I think we're heading in the right direction. But please, for my birthday, Avs, just let me see Byron play again. Please, 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 please. <laughs> all I want. <laughs> I've been stressed out about that kid all damn year. Just give me something good. <laughs> and uh, while we're on the topic of returning players, uh, d- just for the record, Devin Dumnick is off the COVID list and skating again. So good for him. Yeah, he's he's now the pra- the the extras practice goalie. Yeah, I wonder about like I I don't think that's going to change for the rest of this series, however long it may be. Um, but would you know would would they swap he and JoJo as far as you know the the backup um, against they sh- Vegas? They shouldn't. They should not. But would they? Is a different question. 
But hey, JoJo won them a president's trophy, so you sure did. <laughs> so he, I think he should be the backup, at least until he loses it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, any statistical glance you want to make, it, you're looking at it. Other than you know career stats, where Dubnik has a ton more experience, that's the only thing. <clears throat> um, and and some of that experience is terrible. And some of that experience is fantastic. Yeah. And sometimes all that in the same game. Yeah. So it's uh it's been an odd first round though. The the Avalanche have probably had like, like the most normal series, to be honest. Um and that and they're the ones I'm a little surprised they're the only ones that are and I'm gonna say undefeated, I'm not counting the North because they barely started their playoff series. We're talking about all the other Montreal teams. Montreal is undefeated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Toronto and Montreal game is undefeated. Th- that that game start like they they have game two in that series in like an hour and a half or something. And I know right. Winnipeg won too, but I'm just saying the ones that actually are looking at the finish line. The Abs are the only undefeated one. Yeah. And I would have been Carolina a little bit surprised. Just missed last night in double overtime. Right, because, yeah, Nashville's not winning that one, so whatever. Nope. <laughs> well, won that game, though. Yeah. But you, you've yeah. mentioned uh, the the Lightning and the Panthers trying to murder each other. Um, you've got Washington and Boston trying to murder each other. Um, Carolina and Nashville, I have no idea what's going on in that series, because imagine caring about that series. Um You've got Pittsburgh and the Islanders each with a full line and and pair in the penalty box at the same time. Um, You've got Connor McDavid with zero goals in two games and, like, barely even any shots. You've got the Minnesota Wild giving up, like, 700 shots in about 10 minutes. (laughs) It's too bad. I wanted to believe, well, they, they have the game four at home. They absolutely have to win that one and get it, get the series evened up. So I'd love to not play Vegas. I still feel that way. Like I, I want to win a cup more than I want to see what would happen against Vegas. So and you, and you've, you've got like John Tavares falling in front of a knee and getting his head exploded, which takes away like any possible thought of actual hockey in that game. Like this is, this yeah, is the most terrible. This but, is the most normal yeah. series in the national hockey league. And it's a weird series. So like, <laughs> Yeah. This, this first round is on drugs. What well, is and and this All is the I, I would characterize too. the I, I would characterize the Av series as the least competitive with Carolina and Nashville being close. Um, is it the only series? It has to be the only series that hasn't had overtime too. Right, because I mean it just it hasn't been close enough. Um, which is good. I'm not asking for overtime. I don't need more stress in my life. I, I was expecting yeah. overtime in game two since that game was starting at like midnight. <laughs> and the cod the cadre hit happened at ten forty five mountain, by the way. So it was hilarious when all the Toronto folk had to pipe in. It was like you all weren't watching. Shut it's up. Like, go to bed. <laughs> 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 like, do you have a notification on your phone if, like, Kadri comes up yeah. at, like, 2 a.m.? Like, come on. Get a life. Really. 
<clears throat> but yeah, that I I've tried to watch as what I can of the other series, even the ones I can't stand watching. Um, I, I even watched like five minutes of Pittsburgh and the Islanders this afternoon. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> that 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 will be my max for that. Um, I did watch Montreal, Toronto, and then and the awful Tavares hit. Um, and I watched that whole game. Um, and that's Hopefully those I, I games think get better because that game and understandable. Like a lot of the emotion left that game after that unfortunate accident, but yeah, like those teams looked slow, and we know that Toronto doesn't play slow. So if Montreal can slow them down, that's a big problem. For it, them. it really is. I tried to watch that game, but I ended up leaving it like partially through the second period. Um, I don't remember why. I got up and did something else, but uh, it was just it 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 didn't feel like a playoff game. It, and it, it it didn't, and I got tired of watching Sportsnet rerun the Tavares replay in increasingly yeah. slower mo over and over and over. Stop it! What's wrong with you? So yeah. hopefully that series can get better, especially now that, that he's mostly fine. Like he has a concussion and. You never know how that goes, but like all the horrifying things that people are worried about, I think, uh, think that well, apparently over. he's got. Apparently, he got a knee issue out of it, which I think actually happened from Sherratt's hit before Perry even hit his head. It may have. I think somebody said from actually getting up, from him trying to get up, which I think to me that sounds very strange that a hockey player can't even get up. Well, but if you looked tried. at if you looked at how he was trying to get up, like he had his skate, he was like lying on his back with his skates underneath him, mm. uh, and it's like that, you know, that is kind of weird. So, I, but honestly, like if you look at Sherratt's hit on him first, like he was kind of his his legs were kind of ragdolling. So, mm. uh, I mean, you could kind of see. It. Yeah, there, there's no talent. So before we uh, before we put a bow on this one. Um, a, a little bit of a quicker episode because, uh, like we said at the top, Jackie's, you know, live from somewhere. Yeah, sorry, I tried my best. Um, you wanted to, uh, we briefly mentioned that the Eagles were done. We want to talk about what happened in yeah. their quote-unquote playoff. Yeah, so I think we mentioned before they had this little convoluted play-in where everybody in the Pacific Division... Um, Played it so the bottom four teams each played each other for a play in, and then the top three teams got a bye. So, anyway, the Eagles had, and these were all one game. So, they ended up being the five seed, played the six seed team who was actually playing really well. So, um, they won that game in overtime, and it was our, our great new prospect, Justin Barron, who scored in overtime. And he had a three-point game, so that was that was a really nice end of the season for him. And Sampo was the primary assist on it as well. And then um, the next night they played San Jose, which is funny because they hadn't played them at all all season yet. They were in the same division, and that game was a lot less fun. It just it, nobody, I don't think anybody really cared that much. And San Jose <laughs> played pretty good defense, and they got a lot of good defense from old friend Nick Malosh and the uh the Eagles lost and their season's over so um and they, and they were playing an NHL goalie basically yeah they the court Coronash that we had seen and uh a few weeks ago so like I said before you know I could see both ways that there was a lot of controversy about making them play keep playing but 
I think it was nice for our prospects to have that wit, like a playoff win and especially have a big moment like that with an overtime goal and, and Barron's done really well. So it's not out of the question that he could maybe even see NHL time next year. If they really think that highly of him. but, um, but they're done yeah, now. It was a so... fun game to watch. Yeah, <clears throat> it was good. There was actually hit like both teams seem to actually be into it. Like the, the Ontario players, they're, there was hitting, there was actually fights, you know, like they yeah, actually wanted then, to win. And... Well, it's, and you know, the young guys kind of dominated for the Eagles, which is nice. I mean, Sampo had seven shots on goal, which he, he matched uh, against San Jose the next night. Yeah. 14 um, shots on goal in two games. Right. And it's like Foodie, right. And Foodie had five shots on goal in the first game and Baron had three plus, you know, the game winning goal and all that. Um, but those guys, they had a hand in, in three of the five goals and they took 15 out of the 29 shots at the that. So, I mean, it was, it was a really good showcase for sort of the, the new guys. Um, and you know, then and, on... and that's really enjoyable to see. I mean, it's like you expect in that kind of situation they're going to lean heavily on, you know, the favorites. But, it, you know, the favorites ended up being the young guys. And then just to mention that Ontario had a lot of the young Kings players and a lot of them that we had just seen previous yeah. week, like Kupari and... Byfield. Yeah, some of, the, some of the others that we had all seen, so... It was a good test for them. So I think it was a positive on end of their season for a really weird and <laughs> largely pointless season. But all the talent, I think all the talent had good years. So um, we'll just see what happens in the fall. We will see. We're also going to hold off on a, on a Stars and Scratch segment until the end of the series. So that leaves us with only, which could be soon. Could be soon. That, that... <laughs> I hope so. I hope they just take care of those fools. We so don't have to worry about it. Like, just don't give them any hope. I I think if they were going to lose a game, it would have been the third. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's completely understandable to lose game three on the road uh, in a series like that. But it's like you get three nothing. Um, I, I, you know, I could see a, a bit of a letdown on Sunday afternoon, but you know, honestly, it, it they should really, really, really try hard to just play their game and get that done. I think the only thing will be because the Blues might get some guys back. Mm-hmm. It's not going to help. <laughs> but I know, like, I know it's hard. Like, you, but those are also the guys that haven't been playing, so there could be rust. You know, just because you're getting some. You're taking out AHL defensemen for actual NHL defensemen, but they're rusty NHL defensemen. Does that necessarily just, make them better? <laughs> they're just not that good, and their system sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, if that worried. rust applied, you'd think it would have applied to Joe Pavelski with the Sharks that one year. <laughs> but yeah, the abs are the abs are going to play on Sunday, three o'clock Mountain on NBC Sports. We've got fraud detection standing by. Colorado's trying to make it a sweep. Uh, failing that, Game Five's on Tuesday, Game Six on Thursday, and Game Seven, God forbid, will be on Saturday. Yeah, if this gets past Monday, then some something bad really happens. Do you because... mean Tuesday? Yeah. No, or yeah, the next one, whatever. The Game Five, like, okay, if they lose the one on the road, but they they absolutely would have to just get it done at home. 
Like you, you can't have a game six. That's right. Just you can't. Acceptable. You can't lose two closeouts in a row. I mean, that would just, you know, that 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 would hurt you. Even if you ended up winning game six handily or something like that, that's that's gonna throw doubt into places we don't need it. Yeah. And I don't expect that. Like I was expecting more of a grueling, grinded out, really tough to win in St. Louis kind of series. And I'm glad that it's uh, very obvious who the better team is. So I expect them to either win it. Sunday or at worst case scenario Tuesday, but um, but still do it, please. <laughs> still do it, please. Yes, <laughs> still do it. In the Avs opponent, we still obviously don't have any idea. Vegas leads the the Minnesota Wild two to one, although that will be not the case by the time you hear this show. Probably, um, I'm expecting to get it uploaded around the time this get that their game four starts, but. If uh, if you would rather, you know, do something else and have a podcast on in the background instead of watching Vegas and Minnesota, I wouldn't blame you. I hope Minnesota gets it together. I mean, I, I hope that Minnesota just makes it tough enough on Vegas that they're a little more tired. <clears throat> um, you know, I, th- I think if the Avs, you know, go in with a, a four or five game series under their belt, and Vegas is is in the same boat, you know that that's a little, you know I, I'd rather have the advantage of Vegas having to take more punishment to to get to the second round. I guess it depends how those games go because then you could also make the argument that sitting for probably a week isn't really ideal either. Even though a few practices wouldn't hurt, but a week does tend to get a little long, and. If I think they need practice, and I think yeah, that they need, well, they need rest. some. Yeah, definitely. But that that week's rust is a real concern for sure. Um, but I still do want that other series to drag on, just so we don't have to record a show in the middle of the week to get our our series preview out of the way. <laughs> exactly. We will be in your speakers again to break down round two. Assuming the worst doesn't happen, we the Avs don't get reverse swept this week. Um, before the second round starts, whenever that might be, I I don't think the league has any intention of letting the other other divisions sit and wait on the North. But who knows what they're going to do? Honestly, it also depends. Like if well, they're going to want to have something on TV next next weekend, so. If some of those series don't get into at least Saturday, then they're going to have to start round two by then. I'm not sure so we'll what see. the schedule is for those North games, but like I th- Toronto I and Montreal just, starts game two tonight, so they have a ways to go yet. Yeah, they do have a, a back. They each have back to backs. I think their game seven would be Sunday, maybe Monday, if it gets to that point. So, um. That might push it off, but I guess it also depends if NBC has something to show on Saturday. There's always auto auctions. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably some horses running somewhere. That's true. <laughs> you can find something for Eddie Olchek to watch. Well, wh- whenever the second round starts, um, just expect to see an episode of Burgundy Radio pop up in your RSS feed or on Spotify or in, on SoundCloud, wherever you find the latest from us. We will be there. 
the Avalanche will most likely be there. Will it be Vegas or Minnesota who joins us? We'll find out. play him less then he's never going to do anything and if they play him more he's going to start burning out uh-huh uh-huh yeah yep mm-hmm we're still going okay yeah Are we done? All right, cool. We're done. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs>